May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Wow, that's strong family, right? Holy cow. <laughs> hey, welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I'm really glad you're here today. I also want to welcome you to the kickoff of our big fall message series, Hashtag Family Strong. I also want to welcome our North Campus joining us by live video feed. Glad you guys are with us as well. You know, when my wife Amy and I were dating, I wanted her to think that I was like really, really strong. Because, you know, in my vanity, I just thought that's what women wanted. And so, uh, when we were on a date, anytime that she would reach over, you know, like, you know, touch my shoulder or, you know, pat me on the arm, wait for it, <laughs> right before she would touch me, I would flex. <laughs> I promise I did. And then, you know, right before she'd pat me on the leg, you know, like I'd flex again, because I wanted her to think that I was like really, really strong. I, I'm just telling you, and you know, even though now that we're married, she says that you know none of that really made any difference for her. Secretly, I think that she was impressed. <laughs> I really do. And because I'm the kind of guy who likes to keep romance alive, whenever she pats my arm, I still flex for. <laughs> See, now look, we think we know what strong looks like. We think we know what strong family looks like. But the truth is, we don't. The media in our culture thinks that they know what strong family looks like. But they don't, because the truth is, all they really end up doing is poking fun at the dysfunctions and faults in a family. And so they leave us without ever knowing what a strong family really looks like. And so we don't really have a good, accurate picture of what a strong family looks like. But we want people to think that our family is strong. We want people to think that, you know, we have it all together, so we put on an appearance that our family's perfect, that we've, you know, got these, you know, hyper-achieving, super-athletic kids, and, you know, they're doing really, really great in school and getting these super-amazing grades, and, you know, we're going to do this, and we're going to be a part of that, and things in our family are going really, really, really great. And, you know, so in a sense, really, we flex for other people, trying to make them think that our family's perfect and that our family's strong. When really behind the closed doors of our house, there's yelling, bickering, and discontent, and a weariness that comes from being overcommitted, and we know there's some things that we need to change, but you know, we, just, we don't even know where to start. Which is why in this series, we are asking the question, what does strong look like? In order to find out what makes a family strong in this series, we're going to look at different families in the Bible and see what it is that made them strong, or in some cases, what it is that tore them apart. And although these families lived, you know, like a long, long time ago, the things that they went through are a lot of the same of what our families go through. Now look, some of the details are different. You know, they, they had camels, not cars, okay? They had hand tools, not power tools. But the truth is, the issues that they faced are the exact same issues that you and I face today with our families. And it's what our Heavenly Father says to these people. It's what our Heavenly Father does in their lives that helps us 
get a clear picture of what strong looks like. So in this series, we're gonna talk about helping kids grow up. We're gonna talk about the dangers of being impulsive. We're gonna talk about dealing with adult children, changing an attitude of entitlement, how to make right choices. I'm telling you, it is gonna be a great, great series. Which brings us to our message today. See, a strong family starts with a strong marriage. Every sociology study that you'll ever look at and read all say the same thing, is that instability in a marriage brings instability in a family. But when we have a strong marriage, as a general rule, kids do better in school. They tend not to give in to addictive type behaviors. They have a better chance of having a stable marriage of their own. They tend not to give in to... um, peer pressure, and make self-destructive choices, and the list of benefits just goes on and on and on. You know, bottom line is this, the best gift we can give our kids is a healthy marriage. Best gift we can give our kids is a healthy marriage, okay? It, it's, it's not more opportunities, it's not going undefeated, it's not the latest gadget, it's not a car when they turn 16. The greatest gift we can give our kids is a healthy marriage, even if that's a healthy second marriage. It's the best gift that we can give our kids. And that's where a strong family starts. Okay, now, for those that are divorced or single or single again, does that mean that you can't have a strong family? No, of course not. I mean, now, there's gonna be some differences in your situation, but look, if you will take the things that God is gonna say to us today and put them into practice in your life, it will help you build a strong foundation for your own family. And it'll be a huge example for your kids. And even if you don't have kids, you know, single or not, if you will put the things that we're going to talk about today into practice, it'll change your own life. And then if you become married, then it will, you already have the foundation for a strong marriage. Which is why today we're going to look at a very special family in the Bible. Very special marriage. And God does some amazing things through this couple. And unfortunately, though, like most marriages, not everything is perfect. Okay? And it's what we learn from their mistakes that we find out what it's going to take to build a healthy marriage. Now, the couple that we're going to look at today is Abraham and Sarah. Now, in case you're unfamiliar with their story, Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children of their own. And we don't know why. But they couldn't have children of their own. But yet, God comes to Abraham when he's 75 years old and tells him that God is going to build an entire nation from his descendants. Now, Sarah is 10 years younger than Abraham, so she's 65, he's 75. And they realize if God is going to build a nation from them and they're going to have kids, like something needs to happen pretty quick because like they're not spring chickens anymore, right? And so when we pick up the story, 10 years have passed and nothing has happened. Nothing in 10 years. I mean, even the Bible says that Sarah is way past childbearing age at this stage of the game. So pull out your message notes, and let's start by asking this question. How do I build a healthy marriage? How do I build a healthy marriage? 
Here's the first thing. I need to keep turning to God even when my marriage isn't going well. I need to keep turning to God even when my marriage isn't going well. Look, as you can imagine, after 10 years of not having a baby, their faith in God's starting to waver a little bit, okay? And I'm sure, I am sure it has caused some arguments and it's built some tension in their marriage. I mean, look, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? And so, get this, Sarah decides that she is going to take matters into her own hands. Look what the Bible says. In Genesis chapter 16, beginning of verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, okay, now hold on, just right there, let's clarify. God eventually changes their names to Abraham and Sarah, okay? But it's still the same people, okay? So Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Okay, now, you got to get past the whole Abraham and maidservant type of thing, okay? Um, in their day and age, slavery was a widespread practice, and slaves were viewed as property. And so, anything that the slave produced was considered property that belonged to the owner. And in their culture, get this, in their culture, it would have been a common understanding that Sarah could have built her family through her slave because if the offspring was from her husband, then the child would be considered Sarah's because anything that the slave produced was the property of the owner. I mean, look, remember, I told you there was going to be some details that were different, okay? But look, here's what I want you to get. Here's the point. Sarah took matters into her own hands. She took matters in her own hands. Nowhere do we read that she prayed about decision, this decision. Nowhere do we read that God told her to do this. Nowhere do we read that Abraham prayed about this decision or that God told Abraham that this was how things were going to unfold. You know, bottom line, it had been 10 long years and nothing had happened and they were just tired of waiting. And so because of their impatience, they tried to make God's promises come true. They tried to make God's will happen. And when they introduced Hagar into their marriage, they introduced division into their marriage. Big shocker, right? So look, here's the thing. When your marriage isn't going well, make a commitment to keep turning to God. No matter what, make a commitment to keep turning to God. That none of that would ever change for you. That instead of turning to someone at your office for advice, or instead of turn, calling your best friend, or instead of you know, giving your spouse a taste of their own medicine, or putting their stuff out by the curb, or finding someone that you can just pour out your sad story to, and then that person becomes a candidate for an affair. Instead of doing any of that, keep turning to God. See, when things aren't going well, that's when you need God the most. I mean, that's when you really, you need to get down on your knees and you need to ask God to change the course of your marriage. You need to ask God to change your heart. 
You need to ask God to change the heart of your spouse. You need to ask God to step in and intervene and do something that only he can do. And here's the deal. God might not change things by Tuesday. I mean, he might, but he might not. But whatever's going on in your marriage, keep turning to God. Look, here's the thing. It might take a year. It might take 10 years. I, I, honestly, I cannot control that for you. But listen, when did following God have a statute of limitations? Where in the Bible does it say that you have permission to say, you know what, well, God, I've given you long enough. Time for me to take matters in my own hands. I mean, that's, that's not anywhere. But you know what? It's what a lot of people do. When God doesn't perform like they want God to perform, they just simply take matters in their own hands and do things their way. Don't be that kind of person. Don't be someone like that. Be someone that keeps turning to God no matter what. Be the kind of person that turns to God and leans on him even more during the hard times. Be the kind of person that instead of depending on yourself more, that you depend on him more. That's who you want to be like. Now look, what if your spouse divorces you anyway? I mean, what if you do everything right and your spouse divorces you anyway? Keep turning to God. That doesn't change. You need him more in those moments than any other time. What if you're being abused? First, if you're being abused, you and your kids need to get out. You need to separate immediately. But in that, even then, keep turning to God to get his guidance on what to do next. So what does that look like? What does strong look like? It looks like a man who trusts God more and more over time instead of less and less. It looks like a woman who prays for her kids even though she hasn't seen a breakthrough in a long time. It looks like a husband that when facing a big decision takes his wife by the hand at night and says, let's pray about this together. That's what strong looks like. So would you make a commitment to be like that? Would you make a commitment right here, right now, today, to keep turning to God no matter what and not take matters into your own hands? Would you do that? Now from Abraham and Sarah, we learn a very important second lesson about marriage, and that is this. Number two, we need to make important decisions together, not alone. We need to make important decisions together, not alone. <laughs> Have you ever had your spouse make an important decision and you know make a stand on that decision and then you realize right away, it's just easier to just go with it than put up a fight and argue about it. Yeah. Well, Abraham and Sarah did that. Um, so here's what happens. Sarah's maidservant, Hagar, does indeed have a child by Abraham, and that child's name is Ishmael. Okay, get this. Thirteen and a half years later, Sarah 
finally becomes pregnant by Abraham just like God promised all along. So Sarah ends up having her own biological child named Isaac. And then after Isaac was weaned, look at the conversation that Sarah and Abraham have and see if it doesn't seem a little one-sided to you. Genesis 21, verse 8, it says this, says, the child, and this is Isaac, the child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. And in the end, Hagar and Ishmael were both banished. Now, we're going to talk about what happens to them in just a few minutes. But there was no discussion. The matter had already been decided. There was no compromise. There was no trying to work it out. There was no consulting. There was no deciding together. Sarah made the decision all on her own, and Hagar and Ishmael were banished. And that was the end of it. And it really distressed Abraham. And don't you think that that caused some serious stress in their marriage? So look, in your marriage, don't make important decisions on your own, especially when you're emotional. Look, if you find yourself rehearsing your speech in your mind so that you can make a really strong stand to convince your spouse that this is what you need to do, I'm telling you, you're on shaky ground. Okay. Any time that you have to put your foot down or draw a line in the sand, I'm telling you, you are on really, really shaky ground. When you make those kinds of stands, honestly, instead of making your marriage stronger, reality is you make it weaker. So what does strong look like? It looks like a husband and wife that are committed to making our decisions together. They're committed to making our decisions together because they know that that's what it takes to build a healthy marriage. You said you're going to make your decisions together and not be controlled by the emotions of the moment. Because look, here's the thing. If a decision's right, it's right. And you don't have to make it while you're emotional. You can make it at the two of you had a chance to talk about it together, pray about it together, seek some wise advice. Because look, if a decision's right, it's right. And you'll both come to that same conclusion when you're calm. So make a commitment to make important decisions together, not alone. Now look, I mean, what if your spouse is not a Christ follower? Then you still honor God by making decisions together. Now, your spouse may or may not always agree with the Christian thing to do, but you still honor God by making decisions together. Now, what if you're single? Then, then what do you do? Well, you do what we all should do, and you keep turning to God, getting him to tell you and lead you, guide you for the decision that you make, and then you go forward with it. So the decision you're making together is with him, which is really what all of us should be doing anyway. Now, what if you're sitting here today and you realize that you've messed some things up in the past? That there's some things that you've done in the past that you did them completely on your own, completely without God, 
Does that mean that you can never be family strong? (laughs) No. By no means. Look, Abraham and Sarah weren't perfect, but God still used them to build the entire nation of Israel. And so if God can use them, he can use you. Because when God is involved, nothing's impossible. Anything can happen. And that's what separates this series from just, you know, good marriage and family advice. Because we're talking about what God can do here. So when you commit to following God, he intervenes and he changes things, okay? He steps in and he can take a bad decision and he can make good come from it. Look what happens with Hagar and Ishmael. Look what it says in this last set of verses. Genesis 21, verse 12, it says, But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Verse 13. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So even when we can't see it, even when we can't see God at work, we need to understand that God is always at work behind the scenes. Even when we're making our decisions together, if we're not seeking God and we're just doing them all on our own, the deal is God is in the background working all the time. If you're a Christ follower, God says, hey, I'll be a part of it. Even if you temporarily walk away from me, even if you just haul off and do some things on your own, if you do some things without praying about it, God says, I am bigger than that, and I am at work behind the scenes. Just trust me. And God can make, take a bad decision, and he can still make good come from it. Because look, if he can do that with Abraham and Sarah, he can do it with you. If he can rescue Hagar and Ishmael, he can rescue you. Because he's God. But in order for that to happen, in order for you to become family strong, you have to have a relationship with him. You've got to commit to following him. The first step to doing that is to become a Christ follower yourself. Because look, here's the thing. You and I are separated from God by our sin. Our sin separates us from him because God is perfect and he lives in heaven where everything is perfect. And so therefore, no one who is imperfect can ever go to heaven, period. And furthermore, because our sin separates us from God, it prevents us from having a relationship with him while here on this earth so we can get his guidance and so that we can depend on him and and have him working and moving in our lives. And so it prevents us from having that relationship with him. And look, here's the thing. Our sin is anything that we do, think, or say that's wrong. And get this, sin is not canceled out by doing good deeds, okay? Sins aren't canceled out. Sins have to be forgiven. And that's at the place where Jesus Christ steps in. Because God sees your plight and he sees mine. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Jesus lived a perfect life, so he didn't need anybody to forgive his own sins because he didn't have any. And so when he died on a cross, he died so that his death could pay the price for your sin, for my sin, 
for the sins of everybody in the world so that we wouldn't have to pay for it on our own. And so he provides that forgiveness for us, for you. But here's the thing. You still have to accept it. You still have to accept his forgiveness. And you do that by praying a short prayer, asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you for everything you've ever done and then pledge your life to following him. Have you ever done that before? If you never have, there's a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower at the very bottom of your message notes, right there at the very last. If you've never prayed that prayer before, I'm gonna give you a chance to pray that when we take some next steps. So, everybody, find your connection card and let's take some next steps together. Perhaps it's this first one. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If you've never become a Christ follower, would you, and you're ready to pray that prayer, would you check that box? Because I want to mail you some information in the mail that will help you get started. So check that box, would you please? Next, I commit to keep turning to God no matter what. And you can check that whether you're married or whether you're single, whether you're a teenager or an adult. Would you make a decision to keep turning to God no matter what? Next. I'm deciding to make all important decisions together with my spouse. Would you do that? And I would say this, even if you're single, you can make that commitment for the day that you become married and that right now you're saying, I'm gonna make all those decisions together with God. Next. I commit to do what it takes to make and keep my marriage healthy. That whatever it takes, I'm gonna do it. Even if your marriage is already healthy right now, it's like, hey, if it ever gets in jeopardy, I'm making a commitment, this is what I'm gonna do. Would you do that? Next, I will come back to hear the rest of the Hashtag Family Strong series. Five more weeks, would you take five weeks and invest that five weeks, five more Sundays, into the welfare and benefit of your family? I'm telling you, this is going to be an amazing series. Come back for it. Here's the next one. Sign me up for a fall small group. There's a place for you to write a code in your, in your uh, worship guide. There's a catalog of all of our fall small groups. If you haven't signed up for a small group, or if you're new, you need to understand, small groups are the other half of what we do around here. Small group, it's you go to someone's home, um, and it's, it's real informal. You usually share a meal or, you know, uh, some, you know, some light snacks, something like that. You talk, you have a Bible study, you get to know each other. That's how you make friends. That's how you really interact and study the Bible. And get this, there are small groups right now. We are studying this series, hashtag family strong. And so we'll be talking about these issues on Sunday mornings in our small groups during the week. So if you've not signed up for a small group, sign up for one please. Our whole church right now is signing up for small groups. In fact, if you or any member of your family has already signed up for a small group, just to encourage those who haven't yet or are new, if you or any of your family members have signed up for a small group, put your hand up right now. I want everybody to see it. Look around. Those of you that are new, keep your hands up. Look around. That's almost everybody here. All right, put them down. So if you haven't signed up for a small group, do it today. And take this other next step. Sign my child or teen up for a fall small group and sign sign your kids up. They need to be in one too. But we need you to write the name of your child and the code there. 
okay? I'm going to give everybody a chance to take a moment and pray and ask God to help you follow through with the next steps you've taken. So right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, and if you're ready to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do it. So take these moments and pray silently to God. say thank you that you desire for our families to be strong and that you outline and you map out ways for that to happen and it starts with marriage and so I ask that you would help every marriage in this room to become stronger and I ask that you would help every future marriage become stronger and you would help all of us as your people commit to follow you in your ways and I thank you for bringing us all here and ask that you would bring us all back safely next week so we can hear more of what you want to say about how you can make our family strong. And I ask you to do all of this in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.